Hebrews. Verse by verse. Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 11. You'll hear about it later. The barbecue tonight. The burgers and hot dogs and stuff. Uh, we'll be continuing the book, how we got it, how to get the most out of it. There'll be study notes for everyone. We started with verse 11 in this text last Sunday morning. Same title. This is part 21. Dull of hearing and unskilled in the word of righteousness. Dull of hearing and unskilled in the word of righteousness. 5, 11 to 14. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. And, and the become part is interesting, that active word there. About this, I talked about last week, because it's surprising, where he talks about the high priestly ministry of Christ compared to the ministry of Melchizedek. And I, I talked about that last week, because most of us don't care beans about Melchizedek. And he's going to spend a whole chapter, chapter 7, looking into that, and we'll, we'll get to it. You've become dull of hearing, 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. So here's how the writer of Hebrews viewed Scripture. It is inspired, it is inerrant, it is infallible, regardless of what you might hear from pretty prominent personalities in the evangelical community right now. You need milk, not solid food. 13. For everyone who lives on milk, nothing wrong with milk, but this is, this is living on milk, is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That's from the title. Since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. So you can you see the comparison. Child, mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let's pray together. We just sang, oh, hold on to you. Dwell on your house forevermore. Hold on to you. We can't, we can't hug you right now. There's no physical body here on earth. We hold on to you as we hold on to your word and allow our lives to be shaped, allow Christ to be formed in us through the power of your word and the work of your spirit. And so as we honor your word, we hold on to you. We don't, want, we don't want to be the first assembly of the dull hearers. We want there to constantly be the sharp edge of your word. Surgically working grace into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Like many in the early church, these, these hearers to whom our writer writes, they came out of a Jewish background. And uh, I think as would be the case in any religion, those who left that religion didn't have the same view of the religion they came out of. And those who remained in that religion were concerned about those Jews departing and converting to Christianity. They wanted them back. And so our writer recognizes that there's a strong pull on these Jewish believers away from the gospel of grace. And he wants to strengthen them in their commitment to Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. That's what he wants to do, but there's a problem. We started looking at it last week. These Jewish Christians weren't able to hear everything they needed to hear. They weren't able, apparently, to hear the truth they needed in order to stand firm. And it wasn't that there was... It wasn't that there wasn't enough truth to hold them up. It wasn't that the faith they were engaged in was suddenly unreliable. And it wasn't that there weren't people who were willing to spend time unfolding the meaning of God's word so that their faith might be strengthened. There was lots of truth. And our writer of Hebrews was anxious to teach them the truth they needed to hear. But it wasn't working. Something was going wrong. And what this text says is it wasn't a truth problem. It wasn't a teaching problem. It was, it was a hearing problem. These Christians had, verse 1, become dull of hearing. Right there. And we started... Considering last Sunday just how that happened. Here's what we looked at last week. It's online. You can get it. The notes, the video, whatever you want. We considered the marks of a healthy hearing process when it comes to God's word. We, we considered what needed to happen before the word was heard in preparation. We considered what needed to happen during the actual hearing of the word. And then we looked at what needed to happen to retain what was heard after the word was heard. Those are the three things we looked at last week. And today, surprisingly, we see that our writer still isn't finished with the subject. He can't just move on to declare these truths that these Christians needed to hear in order to stand firm and become mature. So just adding more content to the truth pile wasn't going to fix anything. Like, that's strikingly serious. Just adding more truth wasn't going to help. The hearing problem must be solved first, and our writer is, is determined to deal pretty deeply with the issue. So there are three aspects of concern in today's text. Here's where we're going to go. Our writer brings these Christians into account first 
for the amount of time that had passed since they had first come to Christ. That's the first thing he wants to talk to them about. And then our writer describes two marks of uh, mature hearing of the word. So those are the three things we're going to look at this morning. Point number one. These Christians failed to assume responsibility for the number of years that had passed since their initial conversion. I don't know that I've ever talked about this before. In that 12th verse, let me just clean this up so it'll be easier for you to see it. For though, say those three words with me. Yeah. By this time. For though by this time, you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. And he's not happy about that. But for now, just consider that phrase, by this time. And and what struck me so forcefully is the way our writer considers the way he analyzes the spiritual condition of these people. How do you look at fellow believers? This text tells us how God does. You and I might look at their present profession of faith. It's one way to look at them. They hadn't denied Christ. They seemed to be relatively holy. They weren't idolaters. They seemed to be attending worship together. And so one could simply analyze where they presently were in their doctrines, in their beliefs, and form some kind of conclusion about the soundness of their faith. They hadn't departed from the gospel. They were still followers. So, so they were doing okay. That's how many of us would have assessed them, I think. And the striking thing is here we find something totally different. Our writer, he he looks at these Jewish Christians and he assesses them on a different basis altogether. He doesn't just consider... He doesn't just consider where they are. He considers where they could be. Everybody hear it? He doesn't just assess where they are. He assesses where they could be. He assesses where they ought to be given the amount of time they have had hearing the word since their conversion. How long have they been a Christian? It's humbling to ask that question of myself. How long have I been a Christian? For by this time, How was that time span for these first Jewish believers? How was was our writer measuring that for by this time? Can't know for sure. The text doesn't really say. But let's, let's just take the conversion of the many Jews in Jerusalem, let's say on that first day of Pentecost. We know thousands came to Christ, and surely some of these Jewish believers in Jerusalem... Surely some of them got saved at that time. That's not unrealistic to assume. 
And that would mean, as our writer in Hebrews writes to them, that would mean they had been hearing the word for about 35 years. 35 years. And now, after 35 years, they're in danger of leaving Christ and being drawn back into Judaism? I mean, I can see that after three weeks. But after 35 years? And our writer is pressing his first readers with with more than just the kind of encouragement, you know, hang in there, little little pat on the back, little sympathy, a little tenderness. He, he's telling them there's clearly something wrong with their development. This is made even more clear by the fact that our writer tells them he has important things to teach them But they weren't able, the people, they weren't able to generate the slightest interest in what he had to say. For about this, isn't this true of all preachers, eh? We have much to say. Hard to explain. Why? Well, you've you've become... Dull of hearing. So we know these people had been blessed with much opportunity. The letter tells us that. These people, um, well, they're being warned. They're being warned about neglecting all of the truth they had received. Here's verses we'll look at in a week or two. Look what he says here. For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it. Now, he's not talking about a field, and he's not talking about rain. He's talking about the people, and he says that there's there's been stuff that's been heard over and over again. That's the rain that falls and produces a crop useful for those for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless, near to... This can't be, can it? See it? Like, whatever we're going to do with those words, and we'll get to them, that eighth verse, say whatever you want, it's not pretty. Are we agreed? It's not positive, for sure. For by this Time. How long have you been coming to church? How long since you came to faith? For by this time, I, I need to tell you, I find those words hauntingly humbling when I read them. Because I've had all sorts of opportunities. Those words are calculated to, I think, deepen deepen repentance. But hear me. Not just repentance for immoral deeds, but immoral 
repentance for missed opportunity. Not just immoral deeds, but missed opportunity. Do I have to repent for missed opportunity? Well, for by this time, you ought to be. We're accountable for what we could be. So, so God has this picture. If, if Don Horban's been following Jesus for 54 years, not 35 years, 54 years, where, where ought he to be in his walk with Christ? There's, there's something happening in this text. There's this depicting of a kind of a false resting in grace in these Jewish converts. Does salvation by grace mean I'm not accountable for all those missed opportunities? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Those days, those weeks, those months, the years since my conversion... Those are the talents placed in my hand by the master. It's not enough not to lose what was given. Talents aren't multiplied simply by not denying Jesus. We've we've been given time, time for precious growth. These are moments to be multiplied. These are moments for which I'm accountable. For by this time, there is not an ounce of evidence in the New Testament that somebody should be attending church for 20 years and not ministering in the body of Christ. Not an ounce of evidence supporting that view. So now we need to face the question. How how had this situation, this dullness of hearing, this addiction to spiritual infancy, how how did this happen in these people? So, So what was the cause of this kind of stinted spiritual maturity and what was the solution? Okay, that's what we're going to look at now. Point number two. Dullness of hearing is driven out of us only by applying the things we hear immediately to our circumstances. You can see that in 13 and 14. For everyone who lives on milk is, here's this phrase, unskilled in the word of righteousness. Since he's a child. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers, powers of discernment. I want to talk about that because I think it's broadly misunderstood. They've had their powers of discernment trained, see this? Trained by constant practice to distinguish between, to distinguish good from evil. There's a lot in there. The, the important idea in these verses, it revolves around that phrase, 
unskilled in the word of righteousness. The opposite of being unskilled in the word of righteousness would be skilled in the word of righteousness. That's what, he, that's what he's looking for in these people. But the skill being described isn't just a skill in hermeneutics and parsing of sentences and meanings and verbs and adverbs. It's not, it's not that intellectual skill, important as that is. Our writer seems to be describing spiritual maturity as skilled, skilled in this word of righteousness. Or to say it a bit differently, mature people are, are skilled in using the word in relation to righteousness. All right? Skilled in using the word in relation to righteousness. And, and the way he makes this idea even more pronounced is the way he describes using the word in the practice of doing good and avoiding evil. Right there. So here's where we've come. Being skilled in the word of righteousness. That's the opposite of being a dull hearer. Skilled in the word of righteousness means... Applying the word to doing righteousness and abhorring evil. Or to say it a bit differently, skilled in the word of righteousness isn't just a doctrinal correctness. That's important, of course. But, but if that's what our writer had in mind at this point, he would talk about being skilled in the word of righteousness and he would relate it to distinguishing between truth and error. But he doesn't do that. He's not talking about skilled in the word of righteousness so you can distinguish between truth and falsehood. He's talking about distinguishing between good and evil. You see the difference? This is a moral skill he's talking about here. And so now we see the problem with these dull hearers. They are unskilled... In applying what they've heard for 35 years, they're still unskilled in applying to what they hear to issues of good and evil in their lives and in their culture. They're in church. They listen to the word read. They listen to the word preached. Perhaps agreeing with what they hear. But they, they do all of that without without stopping what is evil and obeying what is good. They don't reach that point. And, and our writer says this keeps them from learning anything important in terms of the transforming power of their Bibles. Look again carefully at that 14th verse. Let me just clean this up. Solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Not truth from error, good from evil. What a forceful reminder. M mature hearers of the word have been have been trained by constant practice. 
trained by constant practice, every time they hear the word, to hear it with moral ears, moral application. They, they practice this. They never let themselves hear the word without asking, what must I stop doing as a result of hearing this? What must I start doing as a result of hearing this? They practice thinking that way. That's great. They make themselves ask those questions. That's what practice means, right? It means they're not automatically hearing it like this, at least not initially. They make mental adjustments when they come into church. They don't listen to it the way they listen to the news. They practice hearing the word morally. What must I stop doing as a result of hearing this? Do you know what happens in all of our lives, mine included? What happens in our lives is it's so easy to justify what seem to be just slight sins. Am I hearing every warning that this text offers? Skillful hearers practice asking those questions. On the opposite side, skilled hearers never let themselves hear the word without saying, what, what must I begin doing right now? as a result of hearing this text? Is there a command? Is there an example? Is there an exhortation that I'm just skimming over too lightly? Do I assume God is happy just to have me admiring a good example without duplicating it? Boy, that Elijah, James says. Some prayer, eh? What a guy. God bless him. See, that's dull hearing. Dull hearing. That Elijah, how can I pray? What do I have to do today to start building that kind of a prayer life? That sharp hearing, skilled in the word of righteousness. These skilled hearers weren't born with a better inclination to the word than other people. They, they practice this kind of hearing. You know why they do it? They practice it because they know their own sinful hearts. They they cooperate with the Holy Spirit by training themselves to act against their own lazy inclinations spiritually. Like a diet. That's how they work at hearing the word. Like improving your putting. That's how they work at hearing the word. Like weeding your garden. That's how they work at hearing the word. They don't just listen. They train themselves. Pastor Don, I think you're making a big deal about nothing. I'm not. I'm not. I don't say it lovelessly. And I don't say it excluding myself. I say it including myself. Dull hearing abounds. Consider the person who knows all about the doctrine of the second coming, can draw charts and graphs and diagrams, knows about the second coming, knows about the final judgment, and refuses to forsake some secret sin. How do you put that together? Well, dull hearing. Unskilled hearing. 
consider the person who knows the word says his or her body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and yet continues to practice sexual immorality. What's going wrong there? Dull hearing. Dull hearing. A gap between what's heard and what's practiced, right? Consider the person who comes to Cedarview and prays every Sunday night, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and yet carries a grudge to another believer in the church. What, what happened there? Dull hearing. Unskilled in the word of righteousness. Consider the person who knows the word commands he seek first the kingdom of God and yet spends the vast majority on, on self-conception rather than the kingdom, missions, ministry. Consider the person who knows God's word claims for itself to be the bread of life and the seed of all kingdom power and yet spends every restful moment on the internet playing crazy video games and watching television. What happened? Dull hearing. Unskilled in the word of righteousness. This is everywhere. In not one of these cases is it very likely that there's a knowledge problem or a doctrine problem. Not in any of those cases. There's, there's a dullness of hearing problem. It's death dealing. And so our writer urges these hearers to train their spiritual senses. And, and the way he illustrates it is, is kind of instructive. All through today's text, I don't know if you've noticed it, he compares dull and skilled hearers with infants versus adults. The point, of course, is an infant has the same five senses you have. But you have to be very careful because they're unskilled with those senses. You can put a bowl of Smarties and a bowl of thumbtacks in front of just about everyone in this room and they know the difference. But an infant, which one will they, they'll put both into the mouth. Did you get what I'm saying? Unskilled. They have the senses, but untrained senses. Get a picture of that infant with those untrained senses. Look at the danger there. That's how countless Christians will go to church today. I said earlier we were going to look at two signs of mature word hearing. The first we just finished. Mature hearers train themselves to be skilled in using the word to obey righteousness and to abhor evil. That's what they do when they hear. There's, there's another sign of mature hearing. Point number three. Dullness of hearing is driven out as we put to use what we receive from the word for the benefit of others. This is the last text. For though by this time, let 
You ought to be teachers. You need someone else to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Remember where we are in this text. Our writer is still laboring to, to instill the great danger of dullness of hearing. This isn't a hypothetical danger. He says in verse 11, you have become dull of hearing. Verse 11. And, and he loves these dull hearers too much to, to let them think they can just continue in this condition because I'm a Christian and what, how bad can it be? And so we looked at those words earlier, Hebrews 6, 7, and 8. For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if, but if it bears thorns and thistles, it's worthless, near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. So, so the gracious answer to this danger is to become Mature hearers, verse 13, who aren't unskilled, but skilled in the word of righteousness. And then our writer gives a second picture of what skilled in the word of righteousness would look like as opposed to dull hearing. Verse 12, for by this time you ought to be teachers. And here's the principle, okay? Dull hearers detach their own spiritual growth. They detach that from their ministry to others in the body of Christ. So they isolate their own growth in Christ and consider it only from that personal reference point. It's incredibly common in the church. I'm growing spiritually means um, I'm learning to manage my temper. I'm avoiding those embarrassing internet sites that I used to go to. I'm establishing consistent pattern for daily devotions, getting into the word. I'm starting to consistently attend church as though it was really an important commitment in my life. I'm trying not to lie. I'm trying to clean up my speech. Now, all of those things are good, but what is common in all of them is they're just about me. Did you see it? I'm holier. I'm stopping lying. I'm controlling my temper. I'm not as addicted to pornography. I go to church more frequently. I'm starting to read my Bible more. Good. You should be doing all of those things. You really can't follow Jesus without doing those things. You'll get no argument from me. But those are important steps. My only point here, and I think the text bears it out, is if that's my assessment of how spiritually mature I am, it's tragically incomplete. There's something that's being totally omitted from the New Testament picture of a skilled hearer of the word of God. It's a tragic costly omission that's, that's all the more danger because it's universally accepted in the church. You cannot become a mature, Christ-pleasing disciple apart from ministry to other people in this church. If no one's ever told you that before, 
Don't be a dull hearer this morning. You cannot, it is impossible for you to become a mature, Christ-pleasing disciple apart from ministry to other people in this church. The clear assumption of our text is, is the passing of time since these Hebrew Christians had come to Christ was proof positive that they all should have been in ministry by now. Every one of them. That's what our writer is saying to them. And the fact that they weren't, all by itself, the fact that they weren't was proof positive to our writer that they hadn't been hearing the word in a mature fashion. By now, you ought to be teachers. So, I'm learning from this text Ministry to others is not an add-on to a mature Christian life. It's the source of a mature Christian life, and a mature Christian life is impossible without it. Your ministry in this church isn't a job. It's a doorway of grace and growth. It will change the way you hear the word of God. It will produce fruit, even in personal areas of your walk with God. How long since your conversion? Ask yourself, how long? Twenty years? Five years? Forty years? Studying the whole of this great text, how should you be hearing the word of God by now? How many lives should you be touching with his grace by now? This matters eternally by now. I'm not just accountable for where I am. The talent that I bury and hide in the ground, I'm accountable for where I should be. And I should be hearing the word morally and applying it to my life, discerning between good and evil. And I should be by now ministering to others as a mature believer in Christ. Don't take this as a rap on the knuckles. Don't receive it that way. Receive it it this way. Receive it as me coming and opening a door for you and saying, banquet in here. Come on in. Let's pray.